Chapters 35 and 36 of The Long, Long Trail by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 35 The sound of the door closing was to Joe Norman curiously like the click of a trap which held him in. He had been rehearsing his part all during the long ride of that day, but now his mind misgave him. It might be that Jess Dreer had seen him in Salt Springs, it might be that even the bartender had recognized him that might have accounted for the sideways rat look that the latter cast at him from down the bar on the occasion of his second question at any rate obeying a sudden impulse of panic he hurried back to the door and tried the knob it was locked the blood rushed back upon the heart of joe at that there was a tingling at the roots of his hair a deadly coldness on his face as though a breath of night wind had struck him they knew him then he stepped lightly to the window it was open but there was no gallery across it below him was a sheer drop of how much he could not well estimate in the darkness thirty feet perhaps he was trapped beyond doubt he felt something behind him now something impalpably taking hold of him and when he turned he found that jess drear had silently entered the room and stood at the other side of it rolling a cigarette he had never seen drear before he had been refused admittance to the prison but how could he tell that drear had not seen him the rolling of the cigarette might mean anything Perhaps the outlaw wished to appear careless at the very moment when he was striving most to throw the other off his guard. But there was no mistaking the man. He fitted so closely with the description of the broad shoulders, the singularly long arms, the active fingers, that Joe Norman felt he had seen a photograph of the man, that he was remembering the lean, long face. "'How are you?' the outlaw was saying. "'You got a letter for me?' "'Yep,' murmured Joe.' he was wondering if it had seemed suspicious having been found at the window in that manner let me have it will ya and with the same gesture in which he lighted his match he nodded toward the table on the table accordingly joe put the letter and it seemed to him that while one eye of the tall man dwelt on the burning match the other was fixed on the visitor presently he inhaled the first deep breath and sauntered to the table he paused with his hand on the letter i don't know whether i know you he murmured you don't but maybe you'll find my name in the letter you know what's inside nope but i think he put my name in it at the bottom how'd you know i asked him to the outlaw hesitated another moment and then ripped open the end of the envelope and shook out the contents he raised the paper it was infinitely instructive to joe to watch the reading of that letter the tall man seemed totally absorbed in the contents but he had raised the paper high so as to catch the lamplight over his shoulder and with his back eye to the light he was in a position to keep his visitor in the corner of his eye by a certain tenseness about the face of the man joe knew that he was doing two things at once reading on the paper and reading on the face of his messenger a month before the thing would have unnerved the youngster but during the month he had looked death in the face and now setting his teeth he waited calmly for the end and this is what jess drear read dear jess i'm breaking the rule and sending you a letter the reason why is that there's a big deal ahead i know it's not your system to team it with anybody but i thought maybe you'd change your plans for a bunch of my friends they want you they want you bad 
Here's the idea. They got a can of money spotted. They got some experts with the soup and can openers, and they'll have the whole job staked out. But if anything goes wrong, they want to have a good fighting head along to take charge. That's why they want you. They'll let you in deep, one-third of everything. And nine chances out of ten, you won't have to lift a hand. If I thought there was any call for you to get mixed up in a scrap, I wouldn't send these boys to you, but I think the thing is dead easy. Also, there won't be any widows and orphans made out of this job. It looks like such a good thing that I had to let you in. Here's another thing. You can trust these gents the same as you would me. Just say the word, and they'll tip you off to what's coming. The chief thing is to get a gathering place staked out near Windville. The idea is for you to find the place. Then one of the gents will go on ahead, meet you, find out where the shack is, and go back and meet the boys, who'll be on the way. It's a neat little scheme, and your trail will be covered inches deep. As ever, your pal, Dan. P.S. The gent that brings you this is one of the bunch, of course. His name is Hank Loomis. You can go as far with him as you would with me. D.C. Over the contents of this letter he cast his glance again, then thrust a corner of the paper into the lamp chimney until the flame leaped, the paper caught, and went up in a yellow blaze. He dropped the filmy cinder to the floor and crushed it to a black stain with his foot. Then, for the first time, he gave his undivided attention to the messenger. "'You're Harry Loomis, are you?' he asked. The word tripped on the tongue of Joe, but he blinked and caught himself in time. "'Hank Loomis,' he said. "'Sure. I guess that was what the letter said. You know me? You're drear, I guess. Sure. Glad to know you. Sit down. Thanks. You must have known Dan quite a while, huh? Oh, tolerable long.' "'Well, sir, I'm glad to know any old pal of Dan's. "'Him and me has been pretty thick off and on. "'Lots of good stuff in Carol, huh? "'I'll tell him, Han.' "'The blood was beginning to run warm and free "'in the veins of Joe Norman at last. First look at Dan, you'd think he was a sour sort. "'But he ain't. No, sir. Danny has a sense of humor. "'Ever hear that story of his about the tenderfoot "'and the forty-foot rope?' "'Joe Norman chuckled. "'Yep, that's a good story, and that nobody can tell it like Carol.' "'That's right. They ain't. Well, old Dan and me has had our times together. I reckon you have, right enough. I remember one night down to Lawson. But maybe Dan told you about the time him and me rode the old spotted bull? Sure, I'd like to die laughing at that yarn. And the way that old bull jumped the fence and I fell off? Yes, sir, he thought you was a goner. Tell you how it was, we'd been drinking just before.' i remember dan saying you'd blotted up some red-eyed just previous and i didn't no ways have no control over my legs well, that's natural enough but i'll tell you one queer thing hank go ahead joe leaned forward grinning he had heard of taciturnity in this man and such voluble and friendly talk astonished him here it is continued jess drear smiling broadly in turn in my time, off and on, I've known some gents with pretty strong imaginations, but i never seen one to match you, Hank Loomis. And as Joe stared at the tall man, he saw that the other's smile was set, mirthless, derisive. Because you got a pile of ability to remember things that never happened. He dropped his right hand a little and leaned in his chair so that he had a perfect chance for his revolver. But Joe Norman made no move to fight. The blow had fallen and stunned him, 
and he remembered again for the hundredth time that he was actually in the presence of the slayer of judd boone and how many others speaking personal continued the big man i've known dan carroll for a long time and i've never heard him tell a funny story and it wasn't me that rode the bull and dan carroll wasn't never in lawson the last remnant of his smile was gone and so he said and waited only one thing did joe norman see and that was the bulge and fall of the muscles at the base of the outlaw's jaw as he set his teeth and he knew that when he faced the levelled gun of charlie valentine he had not been so near death as he was now he was cornered hopeless out of his very hopelessness he found the nerve to do what he did he leaned back in his chair and laughed laughed straight in the set face of jess drear and from between his wrinkling eyelids he saw the outlaw wonder. "'I'll tell you what, Drear,' he said, sobering and with a sudden burst of confiding. "'I've made a mess of this. I guess I done wrong, but I'll tell you how it was. When the chief wanted to come up here with the letter, I begged him to let me bring it. You see, I wanted to be the first to see you. I sure begged to come, and the old man let me take the letter.' it wasn't none too sure he was right to let me go and now i see that he was right in doubting then when you got to talking i thought i could bluff you well i was a fool i don't hardly know dan carroll but he knows the rest of the gang and he knows i'm straight does that clear me he laughed again his very hysteria made the laughter more real i sure got tripped up quick drear the big man rose to his feet he was frowning in a quandary and he stared down at joe norman hank he said slowly i sure got an idea that you're double crossin me dan named you and dan's got to be straight well i'm going to take the chance take the chance on you but i tell you now son you've been near a bad time but you go back to salt springs tell dan carroll that i don't like this game that it ain't in my line he ought to know that but tell him that i know the luck was again him the last time we was together he'll know what i mean by that even if you don't and now if he thinks it would sort of square accounts for me to play this game i'm his man i'll do the job but the profits goes to danny and not to me will you make that clear oh sure well be on your way then i guess there ain't any too much time he held out his hand gathered that of joe norman to the lean powerful fingers son he said quietly are you straight why gasped joe sure i am the tall man let the hand fall i guess you are he said slowly anyway you showed a pile of nerve a minute back because i meant business i thought uh, well no matter what i thought so long hank and joe norman heard the door close behind him as he turned away once more it made him think of a trap but this time it was closing upon jess drear and he joe norman was pulling the levers that closed on the famous outlaw chapter thirty six in the dawn of the next day joe norman took horse and rode again for salt springs with a rested mustang under him and in the first dark of the night he reached the town once more a great many things may happen in the mind of a man between dawn and dark and a very great many had happened to joe norman vague motions were passing through his small soul all that time troubling overwhelming him almost for he began to lose the malignant hatred of the valentines which had spurred him on at first he was seeing himself in a different light the whole thing sprang out of the smile of mary valentine at that dance 
it had gone to his head it had robbed him of his senses then the pang that had gripped him when she turned away from him the next time they met the hasty word that burned his tongue the moment he had uttered it then the meeting with charlie valentine and out of that the affair went on into other hands still it was the smile of mary valentine that was the starting point it dazed the boy to think how much had come from flirting with that slip of a girl it was because of that flirtation that he had fallen and then to avenge him judd boone the man-killer had been called in to strike down charlie and to meet the power of judd boone the valentines had appealed through mary herself perhaps to a still more dreaded name jess drear himself so judd boone had died but still that smile of mary worked it was poison running through many minds judd boone was dead and now the cause was taken up anew there was another goal jess drear himself against whom all the power of the normans all the cunning and strength of the law was turned and what was the cause because mary had smiled one man shot others brought to the verge of death one killed in the midst of his prime as a fighter a jail broken a town cast into confusion and twenty men ready to take the trail for the head of drear all this out of the smile of a girl two things connected themselves in the mind of the boy at the end of all this remembering jess drear and mary valentine they were the beginning and the end he felt that there was also a kinship between them she was more beautiful than other women and drear was stronger than other men and surely there had been no spite or malice in mary he was able to recognize that at this distance he saw that she had simply been playing a game that other people without her will turned into deadly earnest truly it was not fair to accuse the girl no more than it was possible to accuse jess drear of sneaking crimes a dozen times he jerked back on the reins and brought his horse to a stand as he remembered those words son are you straight and he had lied something told him that another man the moment the first deceit was known would have gone for his gun but jess drear had waited he had put his trust in carroll and carroll had sold him vaguely joe norman wondered how any human being could sell such a man as drear his right hand tingled still in memory where those bony fingers had closed over it and he felt that the glance of the outlaw plunging into his soul had found good metal there and something clean and he had been trusted for his own sake as well as for that of carroll his head would jerk up when that occurred to him suddenly he was in salt springs and he was sorry he wished that what lay before him could be postponed he wished that the trail still stretched far ahead of him so that he could think his thoughts keeping time to the sway of the mustang but now the horse was put up and he was in the sheriff's office at the jail with his father before him and claney at one side he was seeing them both in a new light and a filmy figure was between them and him the face of drear his father took one look at him and then growled bad news it can't be bad news said claney he's just fagged sit down joe and joe sat down his mind was working dimly but like lightning he was seeing many things but none of them clearly 
chiefly he felt that what had at first been a natural thing the carrying out of a feud just as he had heard the family used to do in the old days in kentucky was now different it was cheap false dirty it was the betrayal of a fine man well said the sheriff at last bad news or good news out with it bad news said joe slowly well i didn't find drear that was all he could think of it gave him a moment for further thought then why the devil did you come back why ain't you up there looking for him that from his father i done what you told me he said stubbornly and he wasn't there did you ever see such a boy and why didn't you hit his trail and find him afraid there wasn't any trail he ain't the kind that leaves a trail the two older men silently glared at him then they stared at one another suddenly claney leaned forward and stretched out his left arm on the desk he began to count off his questions with the forefinger of his right hand touching each of his left-hand fingers one by one and then curling them back so that at length a clenched fist was shaking under the face of the boy that was his attitude of public questioning that was the attitude under which more than one sneaking cattle thief had wilted where'd you go first the only place there was to go that ain't answering me where'd you go to the hotel and you asked for jess drear i ain't fool enough for that his father put in the boy has some sense sheriff shut up said claney i'm doing this well who did you see looked over the bartenders and picked out the wisest looking gent of the bunch then i stood off by myself at the bar and fooled with my drink till he seen i was waiting for something finally i got him over to one side and asked him where drear was nope i asked him where there was a game going on good chuckled the father shut up cried claney savagely what did he say that if i went down the hall i'd find a game i could hear the boys talking what did you say to that that i wanted to find a game that wouldn't make so much noise then he loosened up and asked me what i wanted i told him i wanted to find a gent that looked like drear and i told him what drear looked like and and then he looked me over for a minute and finally he made up his mind i was on the inside and he told me all about it drear had been there playing a game pretty steady but the day before he hit the trail what trail i don't know and the barkeep didn't know why not i don't know the sheriff gritted his teeth then we're done the whole game's off and carroll is in five thousand take him the letter said gus norman and make him give back the coin couldn't be worked but i'll try let's have the letter joe why i, I burned the letter sheriff you what interrogated the sheriff angrily was i going to keep packing around a letter to one outlaw that'd be about enough to hang me after the letter wasn't no good any more the sheriff settled back in his chair what did you do to it gus norman was about to explode but the raised hand of claney stopped him I, I burned it of course and he fought the critical eye of the sheriff claney began to smile joe he said you've done noble but not noble enough you've been lying me don't stand up don't pretend to get mad you changed color the minute i mentioned the letter son and i seen it talk turkey now what happened between you and drear gus norman cursed and exclaimed he's been bought off i'll you'll forgive him if he tells us the straight of it now talk joe you're among friends but if you double cross us we'll make it hot for you it'll be the last day he spends under my roof declared gus norman fiercely steady gus here joe have a drink that'll help you the nerve of joe norman had remained steady up to this point 
the offer of the drink the tacit assumption of friendly superiority crumpled his powers of resistance and all in a minute the lies of the interview were torn to pieces and thrown away the truth was blurted from his lips and the trap from which he had tried to free jess drear was set and cocked by his own hand End of chapters thirty five and thirty six